The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Romans chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also as the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as if it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we, should, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from sin. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord." Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? 
Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. The title of tonight's message is A Glorious Hope from a Glorious Resurrection. A Glorious Hope from a Glorious Resurrection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We ask that you would help us as we look to your word. Nothing to do with me, but everything to do with your word and your son and what he did for us. I ask that you would guide my lips as I speak. You give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, clarity of mind. Help us today, and may we always remember that everything we do is for his glory. It's in his name we pray tonight. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I would like you to do me a favor for a moment. I would like you to put your shoe, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples of the night of Christ's crucifixion. As Jesus Christ was being betrayed before his crucifixion, Jesus warned them about the time that would come where he would no longer be with them. Their faith at this point is being challenged, and it's being challenged in a way that has never been challenged before. They had taken Christ through the judgment hall, they'd beaten him till he was unrecognizable. They stretched him across a beam of wood and they raised him high on a cross until he cried to his father in Mark 15, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The sun was darkened. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks were rent. And even his closest disciples had to wonder, about everything that he had said. Was it all really true? Talked with, saw the video this morning of Peter. I thought I was going to be a king. Thought he was going to reign forever. Instead, he was deemed a criminal and crucified. The disciples ran and hid, uncertain about the future. All these images replaying in their minds, seeing Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And then as they took his battered, battered and torn body and placed it in the grave. Isn't this Jesus, the master? Isn't this the one who walked on water? Is he not the one who touched the blind eyes? Is he not the one who healed the deaf ears, who cured the diseased, who raised the dead? And now this same Jesus is dead and gone. Mary knew he was gone. She watched him die too. Not just the king of glory. Not just the great I am. 
but her own child was in the grave. Judas had hung himself. Peter had cursed and denied Jesus. And these followers of Christ had scattered. And some just went back to fishing. Jesus had touched and healed all these people. He himself, from outside of Lazarus' tomb, spoken these words, Lazarus, come forth. And at that moment, Lazarus was given new life and came forth out of the grave. But now the one who was raising people from the dead himself was in the grave. Now they felt hopeless, lifeless, faithless. All day Friday, all day Saturday, they felt the same way, hopeless. But then, on that early Easter morning, before the sun showed its face, as the ground began to tremble, and as the stone was rolled away, Matthew 28, verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, at the, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Or as the book of Luke puts it, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is risen from the dead. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? There is victory in Christ because he lives. I'm going to tell you the problem that a lot of believers face today. They believe it, but they don't practice it. They don't put the resurrection of Jesus Christ into practice. And they walk around like the disciples did. Hopeless, faithless. What do you mean put it into practice? Well, my goal tonight is to explain just that. In our text in Romans chapter 5, there are two elements listed, sin and grace. As sin entered the world through Adam in the garden, God saw it and knew there had to be the Messiah. He knew Jesus Christ would have to come. In verse 20 it says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now the word abound here that Paul uses, he uses a different Greek word for each of the word abounded before or after uh, sin and after grace. <clears throat> the word abounded that he uses for sin is to make more, to increase, large in quantity or a major portion. When he said grace abounded, this is the definition for that word, to make much more, exceedingly great, to be better, enough to spare. What does that mean? It means that God 
through his grace, has taken from us the condemnation that we deserve. And instead, he has given us justification. Condemnation to judge against, to express disfavor, or adverse judgment, strong disapproval, to declare guilty, worthy of punishment. That's what sin brought. Sin brought condemnation. It's like a sickness that spreads from generation to generation to generation. But the remedy has been given. Because through Christ's grace, we are justified to be acquitted, to show as just, to defend, to declare innocent or guiltless. In the hallway of his Baltimore Middle School one afternoon, in November of 1983, DeWitt Duckett, age 14, was shot and killed for his Georgetown University jacket. Early on Thanksgiving Day that year, police arrested three teenagers who were eventually convic uh, convicted of murder, sentenced to life in prison. On a Monday, 36 years after they were incarcerated, Baltimore Circuit Court Judge Charles J. Peters declared them innocent. 36 years they rotted in that prison. Now the difference with them in our eternal state is they were incarcerated for a crime they did not commit. In God's courtroom, we are all guilty. The punishment is hell. We received condemnation. But, for the believer, the one who has accepted Christ, the one who has been redeemed, for the one that has had their sins for guilty justified, innocent, not guilty, sin brought condemnation, grace brought justification. Where you were lost in sin, you are now free from sin. Though you were condemned to hell, heaven awaits. Where sin ruled, grace reigns. Too many times we stop at the justification part. Acquitted of all charges. But after justification comes something called sanctification. Sanctification is a continual process that takes place for the believer after justification. <clears throat> and it goes till glorification, which is when we meet our Savior <coughs> in heaven. Sanctification is a process that does not stop. It needs to separate. Separate from that which is ungodly and separate yourself to Christ. Becoming more like his Son, Jesus Christ. In our society, we've Americanized our Christianity and we've just We've forgotten about holiness and righteous ways of living. We've adopted the mentality of, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And if God's word still means today, the same as it does when Paul wrote Romans years ago, 
then the answer is still the same. God forbid. In other words, absolutely not. I'm forgiven, I'm on my way to, to heaven, I've been justified, I'm free from the penalty. One day I'll be glorified, I'll be free from the very presence of sin, but there is something in between justification and glorification, which is sanctification, free from the power of sin. <clears throat> in the early 1300s, there were a pair of brothers who were co-dukes in a place that is now called Belgium. The younger's name was Edmund, and the older's uh, was nicknamed Crassus, which is the Latin word for fat. He was a very large man. One day the brothers got into a squabble or a disagreement, and they decided to go to battle against each other. The end the battle Ed, uh, of the battle, Edmund, the younger brother, had gained victory over his older brother. But Edmund did not kill his older brother. He actually brought him back to the castle. He gave him his own room. <clears throat> As they walked down through the quarters, Edmund showed him where he would be staying, and he said there are two doors, one that goes to the castle, and the one that goes to freedom. We're going to bark, uh, block the door that goes to the rest of the, cattle, or the castle, and you are free to leave whenever you would like. The only problem was is that the door leading to freedom was very, very narrow. Crassus, at his current state, was unable to fit through the door. There was only one way that he would be able to fit, and that would be to lose some weight. So his brother Edmund told the baker to make these delicious, delectable pastries and bring them to Crassus every single day. So that's what the baker did. And Crassus died in that room 30 years later without once stepping foot outside. Many Christians today are defeated by sin. They're trapped by it. There is a way to escape but they indulge in the things of the world. It's chapter 6, and verse number 3, it says, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are baptized with him, uh, buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We had a baptismal service this afternoon. And we all said amen, and we clapped our hands because it was exciting. Not because it was salvation taking place, but it was a picture of what salvation had done to them on the inside, the saving of their soul. Here in this passage of Scripture, in Romans chapter 6, Paul is likening baptism with our salvation. We're baptized spiritually with Christ. We are made new. He says the old man has died on the cross. Verse number 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free, freed from sin. The old man, your flesh, 
the person that you used to be is on the cross, crucified with Jesus, his hold on you, the flesh's hold on you, the old man, the old way of living, the sinful nature. His power over you was crucified on the cross because of Christ. And there was a spiritual battle taking place in the life of every believer. The flesh and the spirit. But in our lives, a lot of times, it's more like the flesh against the flesh. The flesh against the flesh. Every time we fight, we try, we put forth this self-effort to do better. Every time we give this effort and we, we say, I'll do better next time. I'll just try harder next time. I can beat this. I can defeat this. The flesh is fighting against the flesh. And there is no victory. You can't fight fire with fire. Sin is too strong, and Satan is too crafty. A lot of times we face the day we might say it's impossible. We forget that we have access to the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. We have access to the great I Am. We have access to the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Hosts. We have access because He is alive. He has resurrected Himself from the dead, and that same power we have access to. In the state of Alaska, there is a large deposit of oil. Now, a lot of people think that the environmentalists, environmentalists are keeping us uh, from going in and drilling for this oil. <clears throat> but that is not what is keeping us from digging in Alaska. The oil we are currently getting from the east will one day be dry and gone. And as far as we can tell, as they have scoped and done their research, and they cannot find an end to the oil deposit that is in Alaska. So once the oil in the east dries up and is gone, the world will be coming to America for their oil. But in the meantime, Alaska's oil just sits there, untouched. And as a child of God, you have access to the largest, preeminent, most influential, life-changing resource available, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But it's the one that we oftentimes neglect the most. We become complacent and we indulge in the very sin that Jesus died for because we are fighting the flesh with the flesh. We're putting all our effort into it but getting nowhere fast. That is until we reach our wit's end and Christ becomes a last resort. Then we cry out and trust God. When you got saved, you trusted Christ with your soul. You trusted him with your eternal state, your eternal destiny. 
You trusted, him, you trusted him to spare you from hell and save you from that penalty. And I'm here to say tonight, if the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is enough to save a soul from hell, if the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is enough to save a life from damnation, if the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is enough to seal the gates of hell, if the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is enough to conquer the grave and overthrow death and its power, then the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is enough to give victory over the domineering, oppressive, overbearing power of sin and Satan in your life. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Sometimes it does not feel easy. just as the disciples faced dark days, we too will see dark days. There will be hardships. But because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, there is hope. The power of the resurrection is the very heartbeat of the Christian life. Notice at the end of verse 10, says, he that liveth, he liveth unto God. He that liveth, he liveth unto God. Read verse 8, uh, follow along with verse 8 with me. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. He that liveth, he liveth unto God. Apart from this truth, apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no life. There is no hope. He is the giver of life. He's the provider of life. He gives hope. So why do Christians oftentimes try living their lives without Christ, because to live with Christ is to live without hope. There is hope. <clears throat> In verse 11, he calls us to action. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey, obey it in the lust thereof. Reckon yourselves. Come to this conclusion. Be dead to sin. Stop trying so hard just to get nowhere. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. He's talking about this actual casing, this body, this flesh. Your life right now. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Now, to accomplish this, to accomplish verse 12, you have to recognize verse 11. Be dead to sin and be alive unto God. Verse 11 says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord. <clears throat> 
being dead to sin, takes the power of Christ. But we live in a society where sin is just rampant, immorality is all over the place. So many parts of our country, the United States of America, where sin is just rampant. And we look around and we could get discouraged and just think there is no hope. I'm just waiting for God to take me out of here. I'm ready for God to come back. And that is our blessed hope, as Paul also writes. That is our hope, the coming of Christ, the rapture that takes place and takes us home. But we have hope now. We have hope here in Kettering, Ohio, even in the year 2021. We had hope in 2020. We have hope in 2021. And if God doesn't come back, we will have hope in 2022. There is hope today. There is hope now. There's always hope because God will always be there. <clears throat> Sin has a way of just taking a hold of you. And it happens when we're not where we should be. A while back, I preached a message here about forgiveness and some things that I had to forgive people for. And yesterday was a very, very long day, which is okay. I had to clear a drain at my house, which took five hours. I had to go rent a snake and go under the basement and <clears throat> drive it through and clear it out. And then I was just barely late. My father was in town. He wanted to go out with me and my sister and uh, get dinner. And we made small talk for a while. We didn't know how it was going to go, how the conversation was going to be. But we had dinner. We talked. And over an hour through, you could tell something was just on my dad's mind. He was here this morning. A lot of you saw him. Something just, you can tell he had something heavy on his mind. He began to share some things that he went through recently. Previously, uh, before my mom's passing, and then recently. And he realized, he looked because he was talking to his wife, and he realized that when my mom passed, he said, I didn't do right by my kids, and I'm sorry. There at my sister's house with my two sisters, myself, my dad, we had this sweet, sweet reconciliation. He said, a month ago, I rededicated my life to Christ. His wife, he found, he found, he started going to Grace Baptist Church in Missouri, listening to Pastor Kagan preach. That's the pastor there, Pastor Kagan. Last name is spelled differently, but that's his name. <laughs> that was fun to learn last night. And his wife went with him to church for the first time since she was 13 years old and has showed an interest, and he is praying for her salvation. You would pray for her as well. I'm sure he would appreciate that. But God has this way of taking something that is ugly taking a sinful situation or distress and restoring it. That's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. When people 
are willing to say, I can't do this anymore. can't do it myself. I have to have him. If you're going to live your life tomorrow, if you're going to wake up tomorrow, it is going to take the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to live your life in a way that pleases him. Christians need to stop walking around all depressed, acting like they have no hope because there is hope. It is through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. No resurrection, no hope, but because there is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he did gloriously arise, he has victory over death, he has victory over the grave, victory over sin, not just the penalty, but also the power. And if we submit ourselves to him and live our lives in that light, we will have a victorious Christian life because Christ gives victory. We have access to the greatest resource in existence. Are you ready to tap into it and live a life that is powered by Jesus Christ? Separated from sin to God through his purpose. Let's pray. God, thank you for the time to be together tonight. I don't know what different people are going through. I don't know what the circumstances are. I don't know what people are facing or battling day to day. I don't know the sin in their lives. I don't know the situations in their family or friends. I don't know what's going on, but I do know that you know. Because you are alive today and because of your resurrection, there is hope. There is a reason to wake up and to go to work in the morning. There's a reason to face the day. There's a reason to serve in your church because you are alive and well. God, we sang it earlier, up from the grave he rose. He was victorious over, over the grave. He was victorious over sin. Help us to apply that to our lives every day. Don't let the only day that we celebrate or think about it be on Easter. Easter is more than just a holiday. It is a truth that we build our lives and our Christianity upon. God, I ask that you would help us and guide us and as we go our separate ways, as we get back to the daily routine, as we wake up tomorrow, as we leave this place, may we remember that because of Christ, because of the power of the resurrection, we have access to the throne. We have access to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Help us to live that way every single day. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.